Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're just wrapping up the Ag PhD Soybean Production Workshop. And tomorrow will be the Ag PhD Wheat Workshop. We're excited about that one too. And as we're doing these workshops, a lot of times at the end of the day, we've gotten so many questions and there are many more questions that, that folks who have driven here, in some cases from a long ways away, would like to ask. So we're taking questions from our audience. If you happen to be in the audience today, just raise your hand. We'll come around with the microphone. You can ask your question. Just state your first name and, and where you're from if, if that's okay. And uh, if you're online and you're checking this out or you're listening to us on the radio today, you can always email us, radio at agphd.com with your questions. Brian, we had a few that we hadn't gotten to during the workshop today, and I'd, I'd throw a couple of those ones at you if you want to start there. Yep, yep, let's go ahead. And again, for our live audience here, if you've got a question, just raise your hand. We'll come around to you with the mic, and uh, then you can ask your question. Okay, uh, this one comes from CH out in Montana, who says, guys, we've got pHs over 8. And in soybeans, you often talk about using metribuzin. Of course, we can use that in some other crops too. Yep. What do you feel about a pH of eight or above? Do you just go away from metribuzin or do you reduce the rate greatly? I reduce the rate greatly if it's me. I'm probably using a sixth of a pound, eighth of a pound, something like that. Darren mentioned a twelfth of a pound earlier. A twelfth of a, of a pound has almost no residual. It's almost completely just burned down. That's it. So I'd probably go a little higher than a twelfth of an ounce, but I'm going to try just a little bit because it's so cheap. It, it's going to work well for you and going to give you good performance. And it's just, it's an amazing weed control product that we would like to use if we can. All right. So we're going to get to our questions in our audience here. If, if you can just give us your first name and the state you're from, we'd appreciate it. Go ahead. Adam from Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. You guys talked about conditioning water with for biologicals. Yep. If I don't have water prep or any of those, how close does AMS get you to conditioning water for biologicals? Okay. So with biologicals, we got two different things. We got the hard water ions and the ammonium sulfate will help you with that. Um, yeah, it might not be as good as some of the other products, but it's, it's okay. The thing we would worry about is if it would be municipal water or like for us, it's rural water that has chlorine in it. That you got to find something that will, will neutralize that chlorine. So the BioPrep product that we were talking about a little bit today, that'll take chlorine, turn it into chloride because chloride is a plant nutrient. It's an essential and, nutrient. Yeah, and it's, it's safe to the microbes. And that literally costs like three or five cents an acre. So really, really inexpensive. That's the one thing you can't replace with ammonium sulfate. Good question. All right, got another one here. All right, so when we were talking about the gall um, gall midge, yep. gall midge yep. when you were talking the fence line with different crops next yeah. to it, what about when you have the same crop of soybean over time? Like oh, year after year. Continuous yeah. soybeans. Yep. Yes, yes. Then then your odds of having it spread through the field are a little bit higher because now they don't have to fly very far. And instead of flying in maybe 100 or 200 feet, they're already in your field maybe 100 feet. Uh, they could go in another couple hundred feet. And, yeah, I think that's that's the most risk. And that's where we would say, you know what, Thymet is kind of expensive, 40 to 45 bucks an acre. Might be worth it in that case with today's soybean price. That's only about three bushels of soybeans. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm probably going to want to see that I've had some problem before rather true, than saying, true. well, I mean, nobody has you, it in my area. If you know you have a problem. Right. Yeah, right. If I've never had a problem, then 
I'm probably not super worried about until I get the Yeah, and, and it is kind of surprising because it's a fly that lays eggs. And flies, a lot of times, can move pretty far. So I don't, I mean, if it's a beetle, beetles usually don't move very far. So I, that, that's been the, the, probably the most surprising thing to me with gall midge that, I mean, why is it so bad right next to where you had soybeans the year before or maybe across the field if it's continuous soybeans? I, I, I don't really know, but that's just, that's what we've seen. Yep, good question. Let's take another one here. A combine manufacturer was talking about how to deal with these green stem beans, and he was wishing for a desiccant to kill them things. <laughs> you Is can there definitely anything do that. coming on that? There, there are desiccants, and there are guys, especially down in the south, that use desiccants on a regular basis in soybeans just as a harvest aid. So you sure could do something like that. I just don't like desiccants because my fear is always that we're going to be in there a little bit too early. It's just like, for example, well, every year in here, the fall, I hear the guys field. say... The field's uneven. Right. Some areas are dark and brown yep. and ready to go, and others are green, and how, how do you know when to time that right. exactly but, right? But every year I hear guys saying, oh, I wish I'd get a frost now so I'd finish these beans up and I can go harvest. I'm like, well, no, you don't want the frost because if it's green, it's probably still increasing the yield. So that's what I fear is that we're going to go in too early with the desiccant. The other thing is for anybody that raises seed, if you put any herbicide on late in the season, it will hurt the germination. So you don't want to do it if it's seed production for sure. But yes, I, I, I know a desiccant can help. And like Darren said, there are guys that do it. Roundup can be used, and there are a few other products, too, that could be used. But, yes, in yep. this case, everything else is ready. The pods are brown. It's all good, and you can aerially apply a desiccant so you don't knock any pods to the ground or open up pods and dump the beans out. I'd be for that in that case. Yeah, just make sure you're not using Roundup on Roundup-ready beans because that obviously isn't going to kill the beans. But, anyway, yeah, sure. there, are, there sure. are some other things. Yep, another question over here. Okay, uh, I've been strip tilling, uh, sorry, Paul from Nebraska, and been strip tilling corn on corn a couple years, pull a Montag cart behind a one tripper. Sure. I'm flirting with the idea of strip tilling with my, uh, for my soybean crop. Yep. And putting fertilizer in uh, below, you know, Deeper. below yep. the shank. Yep. What's the good, bad, and the ugly about that? I've never tried it. Normally on soybeans, I'm narrow rows in the sand and just to canopy well. Well, yep. this is heavier ground, so I was thinking 30-inch rows, sure. but utilizing the strip-till machine in the, in the cart. Yeah, so we've done that for years and strip-tilled our beans into corn probably 15 years. I mean, not every acre or anything, but... Um, I, I'd say the biggest advantage, obviously, is, hey, I just had to make one pass, and now I've got fertility out there. I've got a, a nice strip that's, uh, that's worked. I, I've also been able to, in effect, go no-till in between, so it's nice for some of those lighter soils. But, yeah, you brought it up. I mean, all of a sudden, you're not in narrow rows. You're not going to get that fast canopy. We'll talk more about that right after this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. This is Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Graber back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer amaranth, kochia, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5UC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgium Crop Protection. 
One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. There's an innovative new soybean herbicide on the market that's helping close the door on weed resistance and open new doors to productivity. Preview 2.1 SC Herbicide from UPL is a multi-mode of action pre-emergent that controls the most resistant broadleaf weeds at the beginning of the season and continues to control later weeds with strong residual activity. Ask your retailer about Preview 2.1 Herbicide from UPL and always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Today was the day of the Ag PhD Soybean Workshop. In fact, uh, we just wrapped it up just a few minutes ago, and we've got uh, part of our audience still here asking some questions. We're taking questions in the room here. But if you're at home listening and you say, you know what, I got a question too, just email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll try to get to your questions hey, as should, well today. I should also say that today is our soybean workshop, but tomorrow is our wheat workshop. So if you want to learn a little bit more about wheat and what's going on there, weeds, insects, diseases, fertility, and a whole bunch of other stuff, please join us for our wheat workshop tomorrow. And uh, there is a live stream option available for that as well if you can't join us in person. Okay, so back to this strip till question. So we're talking about strip tilling into corn and we're going to plant soybeans. We've really liked it for a couple of reasons. One has been we're able to place fertilizer where it needs to be. And I, I just want you to think about this. If we're in 30 inch rows, how much of that whole row in the 30 inches does a soybean root cover or put another way explore to get the fertilizer out it's not great so if we're strip tilling and we've got the fertilizer down in that channel there's no compaction down to the bottom of that channel we can get our roots there we can get recovery on that those nutrients and that's great along with that the roots get deep and they get deep fast and we have fertility deep so where we've seen some of the best gains on those soybeans has been in the drier years. So, I mean, if it's irrigated, then obviously it doesn't make any difference. But when it is dry, um, now you should have some moisture down below, hopefully, and now you've got some fertility down a little bit deeper too. So we've really liked it. I'd also say we used to do a lot of drilling, and part of our problem with 10-inch rows or 7-inch rows was we ended up with a lot more white mold. Going to 30-inch rows, now, we reduced our disease issue a little bit, and we thought, okay, we used to lose yield by going to the wider rows. We don't really see so much yield loss now that we're strip-tilling and doing a better job with the But fertility. we aren't farming on sandy ground either. I mean, right. we've got some lighter spots on the farm, but, but probably not the, to the but, extent that you do. But that's where he was talking about for his heavier ground. I mean, then that yeah. starts to make sense. Yep. So, yeah, the light ground, I mean, we do prefer narrower rows in the lighter soils. That's kind of our preference. Yep, All I right, think you're on the question. right track. Let's yep. take another question here. 
Oh, boy, that's a nice sweatshirt. Yeah, thank you. He's got a South Dakota State University <laughs> so, so Isn't that the national uh, champion? I believe so. National. Yeah, I, I think so. I thought maybe my lunch would be served. <laughs> I had to get it like everybody else. But I'm Tim from Nebraska, and I was wondering, I know in central Nebraska this past year, uh, the Japanese beetles were really bad. Yeah. And I'm worried about our farmers in northeast Nebraska, uh, what kind of damage uh, they would do in a bean field and or cornfield, and what control could a guy use if you did have the beetles? Yes. So we can see issues in both corn and beans. A lot of times it'll be worse in soybeans. Uh, Darren said this a little earlier, and for anybody that missed it, you can actually have a fair amount of leaf loss, even in corn or beans. If you look at the this hail what, charts. This is what all the studies show us, yep. that these defoliators, oh, you can have a whole bunch. And here's what I've struggled with ever since I was a kid. Is, and I would actually have this conversation with my dad. I'd say, hey, we're out walking beans, and there, there's a bunch of grasshoppers out there. You better spray them, and, which is always what a dad wants to hear from his little kid, right? He's like, Darren, there have to be quite a few for it to justify my time and the expense and all this stuff. They have to reach this economic threshold. I'm like, so you're telling me that they have to eat like 25% of your leaves off? Then you'll go treat it. And Dad's like, "Yep, that's what the studies show." And I'm like, "That's dumb. I'm a little kid, and I get this. Why would I want to give up a quarter of my leaves out there if I see them? And the population's increasing, and the weather looks like, man, it's going to stay warm and dry. They're going to just going to keep growing. Why not get them now before they destroy my, destroy the crop?" Well. Anyway, I've had, a tr I've had trouble with those thresholds ever since I was a little kid because I just don't want to see my crop getting eaten up. But when you look at the yield data, it takes quite a few before it really amounts to a lot. So Unless they end up carrying disease. And that's one of the things we don't point. know for sure. Good so point. Well, kind of like bean leaf beetles. You say, oh, yep. they, they aren't even close to as big as a Japanese beetle. They don't eat near as much. Yep. But if they transmit bean pod model virus. Yep, they've uh, been a known carrier for it, bean it was pod model virus. I was at a uh, Iowa State function, and uh, there was an entomologist there, and somebody said, all right, I have bean leaf beetles. They're known to carry bean, bean pod model virus in my part of the state. How many do I need to see before I spray? And he said, one per field. You don't want that. If you got a disease that you're going to be transmitting out there, I can't do anything about that. Kill the bug. But here's what happens. A lot of times it's, well, I was just out there spraying a herbicide, or I was just out there, and now I don't want to make another pass. Before you spray anything, make sure you're scouting. When you're finding bugs that are harmful, it doesn't cost a lot to get them under control. The economic threshold is what I look at. Yep. Hey, if I can just throw in 2 or $3 worth of a pyrethroid insecticide, sorry our Canadian folks here, uh, they can't do that. But if you can put in 2 or $3 worth of a pyrethroid, wipe them out and not have to make an extra trip, it's pretty hard to not justify those. Economics. Okay, so this is our incredibly long way of saying you can have some damage. Uh, a lot of people are going to tell you, oh, it's going to take a lot to spray. We're going to pull the trigger a little sooner than most people are and use uh, one of the Lambda products, Silencer, Warrior, Asana, anything like that. Should cost you around $3 an acre. Just don't get skimpy on the rate. You have to go the full rate because this is not as easy to kill as some of the other beetles that are out there. Yep. Nothing to get that worried about, though. Uh, a lot of people end up with horror stories because they weren't scouting, and all of a sudden they show up, and it's like, oh, my gosh, now I got a disaster. So just kind of keep an eye on things, but you'll be fine. All right, let's get to our next one. Hi, my name is Kent from Wisconsin. Um, would you be able to spray uh, in your uh, program Authority Metribuzin uh, and then 
and post-emerge also have prefix. And that's two group sure. 14s, but different active ingredient. Yep. Yep. yep we sure could. Uh, that that's fine. Uh, you just can't do two pre-emerge uh, group 14s. So you couldn't do a Zidua plus Valor, or I'm sorry, not Zidua. You couldn't do a Valor plus Sharpen or a Valor plus Authority. We actually okay. have had some guys in the South that have done that, that have said, well, I'm staggering my pre's. I put this one on and then I was going to wait two weeks to do the next one. Even then we've seen some guys that have, have put on too high rates, too close together, and they've hurt their beans. But yeah, prefix or the flex star in there. Let's talk about the component. Uh, that's different enough, and no, we really don't see any issues. Okay. So, in fact, we like it where we, we've got those pre's, and then we come a little bit later, and we even talked about it in our recommendations, using a, a Flexstar, something that contains Flexstar, like a warrant, ultra, prefix, whatever. That'd be great. Um, so for this uh, um, herbicide program I wrote up, so I, also, yep. I have prefix and Thundermaster in my yep. post. Yep. Um, would the pursuit in combination with Fomasafen, would you be worried about the crop safety on that or Pursuit plus Flexstar is no problem, that combination. But, yes, you wouldn't mix that with a prefix. Would you also, is it okay to put uh, dry MS with that as well? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so, okay, anytime you have the Femesifen or Flexstar out there, you have to worry about a little bit of leaf burn. We don't get all that concerned about it. It's nowhere near what the leaf burn we've seen from times has been with Cobra, for example, and the beans have still turned out okay. And especially when you're spraying pre-flowering, then it, it's no real big worry. I, I would tell you this, though, Pursuit has carryover risk. Flexstar has carryover risk. Well, and you guys Authority were pretty dry has last a long half-life. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's just we got to be a little bit careful what we're doing on rates and timings and things like that. But as long as you're doing stuff early, and especially like with the pursuit, keeping the rate down a little bit, you know, I'm not like super worried or anything. Should be fine. But yeah, you got a lot of lot of active ingredients there. All right. Yep, for uh, sure. Yep, we got time for one more question. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll oh, come. We'll, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go okay. Ahead. Yep. I'm Zach from uh, North Dakota. Earlier today, you discussed uh, the three pre-program. Yep. You want at least three modes of action out there? Yep. Am three I... effective modes of action. Right. Am I able to use all three modes of action in a canola-friendly rotation without uh, carryover residual hurting germination on the canola crop next year? Well, I would look for things that have shorter residuals. So, for example, uh, Valor has a little shorter residual length than what Authority does. So Valor is usually pretty friendly for most crops, especially if you've got at least 30 or 45 days before you're going to plant that next crop, which you would. Uh, with Metribuzin, that's gone pretty fast. Uh, so the, especially if you're in higher pH areas, uh, you know, you're probably not using very much to start with. By the way, in the back of the book, we do have our rotational restrictions chart. And so uh, we have canola in there as a crop. So you can look up the different products, but we can talk more specifically about that here in just a second. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, 
Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Come to Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Commodity Classic. Come to Commodity Classic. Please join us in Orlando, Florida in 2023. Join us in Orlando for Commodity Classic. The best and most progressive farmers know Orlando is the place to be March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at CommodityClassic.com. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. How can you make your corn crop more successful? I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, February 9th, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that can rob your yield potential. There's a great opportunity to make profit in your corn crop this year. Don't miss the free Ag PhD Corn Agronomy Workshop. Register now at agphd.com. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting live following the Ag PhD Soybean Workshop. We're at the Morton Center at the Ag PhD Field Day site, just right on our farm here. And taking questions from our audience, also taking your emails today. We Our phone lines aren't open, but if you have a question, you can email us radio at agphd.com. Let's go back to our next one here. From Wisconsin, we have white mold severely bad yep. and uh, 30 inch rows low population is there three products that you could list off that we could use to shorten the nodes of the soybean and the time of application well the first thing that we're going to tell you is try to so rather than using a product we're going to tell you to try to pick varieties that are shorter so that that's a big thing but in terms of how you shorten that plant up there isn't anything that is a plant growth regulator like Palisade, for example, that we use in wheat. You can't use that in soybeans. That's, that, it's not going to work the same. So what would I do? Well, one of the things we mentioned today is early post-emerge, we would come along with a group 15 and uh, uh, a PPO. So that would be something like Anthem Max 
Warrant Ultra, uh, P, uh, Prefix, some product like that. So that's probably the biggest thing that I would say. We've had a couple other products that were mentioned today that will typically shorten the soybean a little bit. Uh, the old sulfonylurea or even ALS herbicides. So there's Classic, there's Treaty or the old Pinnacle, uh, Pursuit. I mean, there are a number of herbicides that almost they always... They reduce apical dominance. Yep. And they, they stop apical that... Apical dominance means the top... Uh, so think of an evergreen tree. Think of a Christmas of tree, and the growth is all driven towards that point at the top. If you cut that off and it makes the plant more bushy, that's basically what you're doing by spraying some of these herbicides. Now, when I mentioned cutting it off, uh, as we were talking with Kip Cullors, who's a great farmer down in the state of Missouri, and Kip was talking about trying to shorten up soybeans. His problem is he's six feet tall, and beans get taller than him where he's at in southwest Missouri. So I understand I don't want to have seven-foot-tall soybeans. That's not a good thing. When we look at it, we get a lot of questions just right here locally even with guys that, you know, I got chest-high soybeans and I want to I want to have them be waist-high. That's a little different problem than if, hey, if I don't do something, they're going to be seven feet tall. Uh, so I don't know what the challenge is um, with tall soybeans specifically for each person. But, um, yeah, we're, we're always looking for, for some kind of, growth regulator. I'm sure we're going to find that answer soon. Kip talks about he's gone out and mowed off his beans trying to see, well, if I just took a mower over the top of them at a certain point, can I get them to bush out more? Uh, I know he's sprayed Cobra on them at really high rates. He's tried different things and he's tried about everything under the sun trying to get this to happen. And there just isn't this easy, hey, put this on. It won't hurt yield but it will keep your beans short. Yep, so Darren mentioned Cobra and that I, I said use a group 15 and a PPO. Well, Cobra is a PPO. The big thing, if you're going to use any of those products, you just want to do it before flowering. Once you start flowering, then you're at more risk that, boy, if you don't get rain and you don't have great growth, you actually could hurt yield in some cases with some of those PPOs, especially Cobra. So spray right before flowering, that's usually the best timing for any of those. Okay, uh, if you're in the room, our velvet leaf recommendations are on page 14, and we had a question that came in uh, specifically about that. Uh, Jared said, okay, guys, uh, how well would your velvet leaf recommendations work on morning glory issues? So in velvet leaf, we talked about python down would be good. Pursuit would be okay. Uh, Metribuse and Valor Authority, those three pre's. Uh, not a huge amount of activity necessarily on velvet leaf. Some from the broadleaf side, the Metribuse and Valor Authority, but not perfect. And then post-emerge cadet resource would be really, really good. Morning Glory would be a little bit different. Uh, on the Ag PhD field, field Guide app, we talk about using Authority MTZ. Those, those two modes of action have been helpful, just like they were a little bit helpful on the velvet leaf. Uh, we talked about using Pursuit a little bit, post-emerge, you could. Uh, but when when we look at you know some of the other products like we mentioned resource cadet are fantastic on velvet leaf cadet's an okay helper on on morning glory it's not the greatest thing in the world in fact we've well, seen better luck out of the old classic and synchrony on morning glory than we have on on resource or cadet however uh, we we do have extend products and enlist products now to help on morning glory too so you've got dicamba 2,4-D to work in with roundup liberty 
uh, and your three pre's. So we, we've got some halfway decent options there. Yeah, so the problem with morning glory is it's one of the vine species, kind of like wild buckwheat, and for whatever reason, Roundup just isn't super effective on any of those vines. So that's why we get so many questions about ivy leaf morning glory. And again, yeah, if you can go 2,4-D or dicamba beans, then you usually will get a little bit better control, and you get another option that you wouldn't normally have. All right, All right. another question here. Larry from Minnesota. I got a question. We you spoke a little bit about uh, spraying uh, Mega Grow, adding it to glyphosate. Yeah, adding uh, it to glyphosate. kind of a safener. Yep. How about uh, with your glyphosate also having uh, Enlist? Is there any problems? With that, with the Mega Grow, with that in the. Uh, not a problem with the Mega Grow, no. But when we talk, start talking about Roundup and Enlist, I'd just say this. What we have experienced, and I, I don't know why we didn't talk about this today, but what we found is that the Roundup doesn't work as well when you put it together with either Dicamba or 2,4-D. So either way, there is some antagonism. We talked today about grass killers, like or volunteer corn herbicides, having antagonism with Dicamba and 2,4-D, so they don't work as well, so you need to up the rate or, or split apply it. It's kind of the same oh deal with Roundup. That was even hard for you to say, Brian. We talked to a lot of farmers who were like, you know, you're going to have to split apply that and make two applications. The first response is, no way. No way. I don't have time to do that. Right. I'll just up the rate instead. <laughs> and that's really what we found with Roundup. The first year that we were able to spray legally uh, Roundup and 2,4-D on our crops here and then list beans, we did split it up. And we went the round. I'm trying to think if we did the Roundup first or the 2,4-D first. But anyway, we split it up. And both worked phenomenally well. And the same year, a lot of people were trying this for the first time. And they're like, oh, this stuff isn't working as well. I'm like, I don't know. Our stuff worked great. But we split it. So if you're going to put 2,4-D or Dicamba together with Roundup, we just tell you, don't, don't get chintzy on the Roundup rate. Because so, you're going to have a little antagonism there. Yeah, as far as the Mega Grow, no problem. You can have the Mega Grow in the tank with Roundup and Dicamba or Roundup and 2,4-D. No problem at all. Yep, it'll be just fine. Uh, I, I, we do get concerned, though, uh, sometimes because 2,4-D and dicamba are growth regulators. And so if, and, and Megagrow is a growth regulator. So, and I'm sure that's why, why we have the question. With the 2,4-D the and the dicamba beans, a lot of times we're talking about very small rates of dicamba and 2,4-D. If we start going bigger rates or anything like that, um, that's where we might get a little bit concerned. And so I just say this, because we want you to be on the safe side. I do a little bit, and how it is, but uh, many times we have guys say, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm nervous about having another growth regulator in with what in effect is a growth regulator. So we're probably, I don't believe we're going to have any issue, and we've done it, but we're going to probably tell you to be on the safe side, like we were talking about earlier, we're conservative. We're going to tell you, just do a few acres and make sure everything looks okay for you, and then go from there. Yep, great question, though. All right, another one over here. Okay, this is Paul from Nebraska. Uh, question my friend here had is, how do we get heavier test weight on the beans? And he's kind of noticed, we got a guy we kind of combine for, he plants about two months later than we do, I mean more in June rather than end of April. Yep. And he seems to get few more pods and a little heavier test weight. Is there any correlation? I'm not saying planting that late's good, you know, but... How are his yields, though, in comparison? I, 
I don't know. It's up and down, yeah. I think. Yeah, you it's know, hard to compare uh, operation. I, I think operation. the main question is, is there a way to get heavier test weight, you know, in, in the soybean seed at all or not? So in, in soybeans, we don't see it as stark as we do in corn. But our, my quick story, very quick story in corn was where our dad had gone with no P&K for the few years right before he retired because he's like, oh, I'm going to mine this out of the ground. Uh, we had a lot lower test weight. We had quality issues, everything else. So you got to make sure the P&K are up there. We'll talk about some more things right after this. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. This whole midnight ride thing is getting really... But the HPPD-resistant weeds are coming. We've got Verdict Herbicide. Verdict Herbicide? Yeah, it's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Well, well then, get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improve drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Wednesday, February 8th, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We'll have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details, go to agphd.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trifold, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're talking a lot about soybeans on today's program because today was the Ag PhD Soybean Workshop. 
Uh, if you're interested in catching some of our winter workshops, our wheat workshop is actually tomorrow. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we've got a, a tiling workshop. We've also got a corn workshop coming up. Uh, you can uh, stream those potentially online, or you can come here in person to the Ag PhD field day site. We're indoors. We're indoors. We're not outside. Uh, it's a little too snowy, a little too cold out to do that. But uh, we're, we're inside getting together, and you get to chat with a lot of friends. And, and of course, uh, hopefully, here's some great and stimulating agronomic advice. Uh, just before the break, we were talking about soybeans and increasing protein levels and that is a real challenge and part of it too and, and we were talking about it at the break we aren't paid for protein in soybeans and when we're not paid to we don't have any motivation to change anything up to get there so that that is a little bit frustrating i don't understand why there isn't a difference to be honest with you why we aren't rewarded when we do raise really high protein soybeans but at this point we're not a bushel of soybeans is a bushel of soybeans but anyway, if we want to have more test weight, then since soybeans really aren't sold by the bushel, they're sold by pounds. So it's not by volume, I'm trying to say. If we can get more pounds, if we get a little more test weight, well, then we, in effect, have more yield. So like in corn, we absolutely see a difference if we have more uh, P and K, or I shouldn't even necessarily say more, the right amount of P and K out there and other nutrients. But P and K for us on our farm, that's been the biggest thing for test weight. So, but, but it's literally everything that we can do. So controlling the weeds, the insects, the diseases, but fertility is number one. And it's P and K for us that we've seen being number one. So I, but in soybeans, we just don't see that much difference like we do in corn a lot of times. Uh, so anyway, during the break, we were just talking about uh, delaying harvest, and you know there there are there is a little bit of work out there and some studies on that, and could that make any difference? And uh, delaying planting, and obviously the weather plays a role. So I don't know. I I just know this, like on our farm, we're trying to get our work done as soon as we can. That's the one thing I can control. Uh, or one of the things, and I can control how much fertility I got in my ground. So I'm just going to try to make sure I got good fertility, well-balanced, and since we've been doing more of that on our farm, we've just seen better test weights, especially in corn, but a little bit in soybeans as well. All right, let's get to our next question. Uh, Greg, uh, South Dakota. For 15, 20 years, I've been foliar feeding when I spray with either 28% or 32%, okay. about a half a gallon. Sometimes I'll even push it to a gallon. Mm -hmm. A lot of times with Liberty, I don't even use the ammonium sulfate. Uh, have you been trying this on your farm at all? Have you been noticing? Some years, I, I without a doubt, 10 bushel. Some years, nothing, hmm. but for a, Half gallon of 28%, it's yeah. literally pennies. Yeah. Uh, no, we haven't done that. And I don't know. We, I mean, we certainly could. We've done a bunch of nitrogen studies, and we just haven't seen a whole lot, unless the yield gets really high, or like I was saying earlier, if we got low organic matter or something, uh, or some other condition where, let's say, we had flooded ground or whatever, then we'll see where nitrogen pays. But we, ha we haven't done exactly what you're talking about. So that'd certainly be something we could take a look at. Another question is, am I doing the same thing as I would be doing with Boost 10? Would a little bit different. Same thing? A little bit different. 
Yeah, because this is actual fertilizer, and with Boost 10, it's amino acids, and we're trying to create protein in that plant. So how that's going to uh, how that's going to work in the plant? Uh, it, it yeah, it is going to be probably just a little bit different, and I, yeah, I, I, we we'd really have to compare the two. I I I don't know. It's a it's a good question, and I'm I'm a little surprised. Ten bushels does that's a lot. So if you're gaining 10 bushels sometimes, boy, you don't have to gain 10 bushels very often, and uh, you paid for fertilizer for lots of years. Yep, that's for sure. Thanks. Thanks for the comment. All right, we'll dive back into some of the questions that have been coming in online. Again, if you're, uh, if you're checking us out, you can send questions in, radio at agphd.com. Uh, so this comes in from John. He said, could I use two ounces of Pursuit along with Enlist, and Tank mix it together with, say, Enlist 1. As long as it's on the Enlist label, which I believe that it is, then you're fine. With the new labels for 2,4-D, or Enlist, and Dicamba, they're very specific about, hey, well, you can only put these products in, these herbicides, these other herbicides for Tank Mix, and you can only use these adjuvants, and you have to use these nozzles and all these things. You've got to follow all the requirements, but I believe Pursuit is on the list. I can try to look it up here quick. Okay. Yeah, and, and you think about it, what is Enlist going to be weak in? Well, it isn't going to have a whole lot of residual. And so if you said, I'm worried about late season nightshade coming back on me or wild buckwheat or something like that, yeah, that pursuit could be could be a good addition. It is going to have some residual. It's not going to add anything to your ALS-resistant weeds like pigweed, for example. But but there are a number of weeds that, that it would be helpful on. All right, I had a question come in from Jared, too. Do you want me to go on to the next one while you're looking at that? Or? Go ahead. Uh, Jared said, you guys were talking about ammonium sulfate earlier in some of these post-emerge mixes. What about in pre-emerge applications? Well, thanks for the question, Jared. I mean, you can certainly put ammonium sulfate for fertilizer out pre. No problem with that. In fact, we're seeing nice gains adding more sulfur. Will it really help a pre-emerge herbicide work? No, I don't think it'll be a big difference on the pre-emerge, especially just a few pounds of AMS. If you're doing burn down, it can definitely right. add some. Yeah, help. burn down's but a whole different deal. But if it's just deal. a soil applied application, I don't think it's going to make a bunch of difference one way or the other. No, it shouldn't. All right, uh, ready for with yours or keep going? No, I'll keep going. I'm 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 on the Corteva website, which of course means I got to click on 18 different things to get to where I'm. No, I'm just giving the Corteva people a hard time. But anyway, it does take a little bit to get to where I finally want to go to. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on it. All right. I, I still think Pursuit is on that list, but I just can't find the list. All right. Well, uh, next one then. Jared said, we've got a landlord that wants us to no-till conventional beans into green standing cereal rye. We're currently planting, or we're currently planting on including uh, an insecticide like Lambda in with all our spray applications. Should we switch some of that to Zeal or Bifenthrin? So Jared must apparently be worried about having mites on the cereal rye. I don't know if mites would be yeah. such a concern, but... Well, uh, it could be. Just like, I mean, when we raised wheat, we had winter wheat, and then there was spring wheat, and we, just, we had wheat growing almost 100% of the time here, and we let the volunteer wheat come because that was going to be our cover crop. It was wheat constantly year-round, and we did have mite issues after a few years. Well, first of all, wheat. I don't think it matters conventional beans or traded beans. That, that doesn't matter. But when we're talking about standing cereal rye and you want to kill some insects that are above ground, 
the difference between using bifenthrin and using lambda would be two or three bucks an acre and the bifenthrin would be perhaps a little bit longer lasting and would have a little bit of activity on mites. So if you know for sure there's a whole bunch of mites in there, then a miticide like zeal would pay. If you don't know for sure that there are mites in there, but you think there might be, then bifenthrin would probably be fine. All right, uh, another question here. Let's, let's take this one uh, in the audience. What's the best way to build your uh, base saturation levels in potassium on your soil test? Because when I look at mine, I'm always sitting at about 260 parts per million potassium, but my base saturation levels are usually 1.9 to 3.1. Is it a matter of throwing more out there? Yep. Or how do you make what's there more readily available? No, nope, it's a matter of throwing more out there. So, yep, that, that's really all you can do. That's been our experience, and so, no, uh, you just you got to get more out there. What's the best way to get it out there? The cheapest way is usually what I would say. So yeah, if, if I've got access to manure, manure or compost, great. If that's potash or potassium sulfate or there's a bunch of different potassium sources, yeah, whatever's the cheapest way to do it in your area. Okay, so like on our farm, for example, uh, a year and a half ago, or let's see, what's it been now? Two years ago, a little over two years ago, uh, in the fall, we had a 15-year low for potash prices, so we loaded up. So we were ready to go, you know, when, when potash prices got down, it was fall of 2020, and we spread potash like it was going out of style, and so we got everything built up. But otherwise, I mean, manure, I, we get access to dairy manure. It's a great source, too, so whatever, whatever you could get. We'll be right back with more Ag PhD Radio after this. Stay tuned. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. The greatest herbicide of all time earned its title by defending your soybean fields. Authority Supreme Herbicide's low-use rate formula delivers longer-lasting control of broadleaf weeds and grasses, providing you with the best-in-class combination of Group 14 PPO herbicide sulfentrazone and Class 15 molecule pyroxysulfone that outlasts the competition. We're Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC, and we play to win. Learn more at authoritysupreme.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Think ahead to planting. Schedule your planter inspection with the experts at CNB. Make sure your equipment is in top shape and ready for the field this spring. CNB is your local John Deere dealer offering expert service and customer commitment. Learn more or schedule your appointment online today at DeerEquipment.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at FarmShopMFG.com. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are broadcasting today from the Morton Center after an Ag PhD soybean workshop. If you'd like to attend one of our workshops, just go to agphd.com. They are free if you want to join us here in sunny South Dakota in the middle of the winter. Uh, in our last segment, we had this question about Enlist One and tank mixing with Pursuit. Yes, uh, Pursuit is on the Enlist One label, as are many other herbicides. Just, I think it's EnlistTankMix.com, if I remember right, for the website. But, uh, but you can look that up for if you're going to use Enlist One or Enlist Duo. Uh, some of the things are just a little bit different. All right, Dennis has taken a big risk here with this question in the last segment of our show. Will foliar application of manganese help white mold suppression? You guys mentioned manganese levels and having them high to help yep. against white mold. Can you do it foliar or is this something you have to build up in the soil? I think you got to be in the soil or at least do something at planting time or early. We haven't done tests on that though, so we, we really should. We've tried a lot of other things. Uh, but we haven't specifically tested that out. So, yeah, that, that'd be something to add to our list. Ooh, here's another one for you. Maybe Dan can help us out with this one. Uh, is a DRA required with Ingenia if you don't have a group 15 in the tank? Just straight Ingenia. Do you need that? I yeah, remember I off the top of my head yeah, if I that is know. or not. You know, that one, is that, what is that, Ingenia Tank Mix? Or how's, what's the website? I thought you did. IngeniaTankMix.com. Yeah, check out that website, Yeah, I Keith, thought you did. And that will give you all the, the latest recommendations because there may be some things that have changed here since the last growing and season. And for too. our listeners, if you're not familiar with what DRA is, it's Drift Reduction Agent, or as we used to call them, a drift retardant. Okay. Uh, Jared has a question here. He said, regarding sudden death syndrome and it being less of a problem when you have high copper levels, specifically over five parts per million, uh, with a phosphorus to copper ratio, like you guys were talking about, of yep. 30 to 1, uh, if if we uh, had 150 parts per million of phosphorus or 300 pounds of phosphorus out there, is this a case of choosing what's going to cost you more, building up your copper or building up the phosphorus if you had such high copper levels? Yeah, so we haven't tested this out enough. This is just something Neil Kinsey said in terms of are the high copper levels actually going to fix the sudden death syndrome? Quite frankly, we, the first couple things we always talk about with sudden death are number one, improve your drainage, and number two, reduce compaction. So, you know, if we take care of some of the cultural practices, maybe it's not as big a deal. Also, it's not like you have to be exactly 30 to 1 with the phosphorus to copper ratio. 
Uh, I mean, even if you're 20 to 1, 40 to 1, somewhere in that kind of range, it, it appears that we're still getting pretty darn good yields. It's just we don't want it 10 to 1, and we don't want it 100 to 1 or something like that. But it will vary a little bit on the type of test you're having run as well. So I would say if you want to try some, I'd do it just in a, in a smaller area where you've maybe had some sudden death and boost your copper levels. And, you know, normally we want to get our phosphorus levels up to between 50 and 100 parts per million anyway, depending on the test. Malik, I'd like 100. If it's like a P1, I'd like 50. Uh, that, that's just me. So already I'm probably like with a Malik, if I'm running Malik uh, copper and Malik phosphorus tests, uh, and I'm 100, and then I'm 5 on the copper. Well, I'm at, uh, I'm at 20 to 1. So I, I think he'd be just fine. All right, Murray said... Uh... Would you avoid narrower than 30-inch rows on beans to reduce disease pressure? I'm considering either double planting to 15-inch rows or converting over to 20-inch rows for both beans and corn. Do you think you can manage through the disease issue, or is it such a big deal that you better stay out at Where is he from? Doesn't say. Yeah. So we have a lot of issue with white mold in our area and north. The further south you get, the less problem we have with white mold because there's more heat. So it, it kind of depends a little bit on the area and depends on your past history. I, I would say I'm willing to try it and I'm willing to try narrow rows. And I think there, I mean, there are certainly other ways we can manage it without having to go to wide rows. So if you just, if you think, oh, it's going to gain me yield to go to narrow rows, do it. But just keep in mind, if you start having disease problems, you've got to maybe pick some different varieties and do some other things to, uh, to make your soil and overall your crop and your yield better. Okay, this one from Jared. He said, just curious, since Darren was one of the first to find gall midge, how did you get out of calling it hefty gall midge? Well, thanks, Jared. No, it's, uh, I, I wasn't the, the one that discovered the bug or named the bug or anything like that. But no, but I, I, I don't I mean, know anybody else that was really talking about I that. I don't know that anybody found it. found it before. I mean, people might have found it, but, I, I mean, it never got talked about prior to that. Because yeah. what's it been, 15 years? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, okay, Luke asks, are you guys using a PGR, plant growth regulator, as a standard practice? And if so, what and when? Well, we're definitely using MegaGrow. Whenever we're spraying Roundup, we're adding MegaGrow in. We're using a lot more of inertia now at reproductive timing in soybeans and corn. Not on every single acre. There's, yeah, we there's haven't hardly been... anything that we do on every single acre all the time. We're always doing a lot of trial work. We but... we haven't been using much inertia because we well, we're new. doing more right. We're doing more trial work, and now that the trials have turned out good, we're going to do more. So. Yep. So but, yeah, we are, and certainly for for sure, Mega Grow. Uh, we're also using a lot of Rise Up Smart Grass in our silage corn production. Uh, that would be another thing, and yep. then in our small grain production, we really do like Palisade. So that would be another standard thing in the Feeks Four to Feeks yep. Seven timing. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird because Palisade, we're actually trying to restrict growth, retard growth. We want the plant to be a little bit shorter, whereas the other ones we're trying to encourage growth. Okay, uh, this one comes in from Brian, and he said, I used Enlist 1, and it didn't kill my water hemp. You guys mentioned Roundup plus yep. 2,4-D having antagonism. Then why was I told that Enlist doesn't work without Roundup by my chemical rep? <laughs> okay. Um, You've only got a quart I, to 2,4-D. Yes. You do need another a boost of four on pounds. Right. And personally, in list beans, I like Liberty because the Roundup really isn't going to kill the water hemp. The, the, so why wouldn't you add another effective mode of action? Well, yeah, cost would be why because you're going to spend ten bucks or eleven bucks well, on the list. I want to kill the weeds. That's why. On the Liberty. That's why I'm. That's why I'm spraying. 
Yeah, but here, here's the thing. If you're having issues with water hemp and the 2,4-D, then most likely I'm, I'm looking at one of two things. One, the weather wasn't right. We've got to make sure we have good weather. Oh. The, the weed has to be actively growing. The other thing is the water hemp's got to be small. If you're trying to, it's a quart of four pound 2,4-D. And, and so I've, we've been at Corteva's headquarters and I have been begging them, please guys, can you get two quarts labeled or three? Because I'm positive that two or three quarts would kill that same weed, just like kosher. A quart of four pound 2,4-D, it's not gonna cut it. Would two or three quarts work? Well, to work a heck of a lot better, I know that. Oh, uh, I had a follow-up here, and Brian said, the, re the reason that my rep was saying I needed to put the Roundup in was not so much about the Roundup, but the proprietary surfactant that was in the oh Roundup would help things. No. Yeah, that's, no. No. <laughs> no. Not that their surfactant is bad, but their surfactant is specifically designed for Roundup, not for Enlist. So, yeah, the Enlist just doesn't have enough killing power. The other thing is, if you got that water hemp when it was an inch or two tall, the Enlist would be fine. But if the, if the weed gets too big, you get too many growing points, and we just aren't going to get all the way through that. I was trying to think of what the adjuvant is in there. It's not non-ionic surfactant. It's, it's uh, anionic. anionic. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yep. Okay, uh, the other question that had come in was about fertility. Um, let's see. Let me pull this up. Oh, no, I'm sorry, that was wrong. So we, where Darren's getting all these questions, we got we had a, an online audience during our, our workshop today. We had a big uh, in-person audience as well, but we've been trying to answer some of these online questions. Otherwise, if we don't get to them today, then we just try to yeah, cover no, I them think, I think in the next got, few days on our radio I think we show. got to that, but we did have a lot of questions around fertility. And uh, basically, you guys talked about soybeans raising higher yields. What are the biggest fertility things you've done? to help you improve your yields in soybeans. Potassium. Potassium is by far and away number one. And we talked about this during the workshop a little bit today, but if you look at the peak use for a great soybean crop, it's gonna be way more than the peak use on a per day basis for a great corn crop. Because there's a very narrow window when the soybeans need to bring in a whole bunch of K. So uh, it, I, I had brought up today, it's very common where we talk to farmers who say, my corn yields are really good, but ah, my soybean yields are suffering. I mean, most of the time, when I look at the soil test from that farmer, it'll be low K. It'll be enough K to get corn yield, not necessarily great standability, but it will not be enough K to get that great soybean yield. So that's a really big thing for us. Um, in terms of other fertility things, I'd just say you, you want to look at, I mean, really everything. Phosphorus is probably next. Uh, zinc. I mean, there are there are definitely many important nutrients there. We got to look at the the whole thing. Well, the big thing is taking complete soil tests. That way, you can see what all the essential nutrients are and which ones you're running short in, and then try to get things in balance. If you're high in everything except for one or two nutrients, build those up to high levels too, so they match up with the rest of your fertility program. Well, it's been a fun day talking soybeans. Looking forward to the Ag PhD Wheat Workshop tomorrow. I want to say thanks to everybody that came to our soybean workshop today. And thanks to you for listening to our program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.